0: Hey, Radcast is on. And welcome to the show, Mr. Jim Zumbo. Gentlemen, I am
1: pleased to be here, and I use that term loosely when I say gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Al Winder. Just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us on a podcast for a little bit.
1: I am looking forward to it. There's nothing makes me
0: happier than a colt in Minnesota. If I can't be out fishing, I should be talking about fishing. <laughs> Hailing from Wisconsin, Jana Waller.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's Redcast hunting fishing and everything in between powered by bow spider brought to you by pk lures and high mountain seasonings and now here's your hosts patrick edwards and david merrill welcome to another episode of ragcast outdoors i'm your host patrick edwards and today i have in the studio with me leah edwards welcome to the show Thank you. So Leah's my oldest daughter. She turned 14 this past year, and she completed her hunter safety back last spring, almost a year ago. And I've been telling people for quite a while to wait for this specific episode because it's a real exciting story of how Leah harvested her first big game animal in Wyoming, which congratulations, kid. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're going to tell that story on the podcast today. So, Leah, welcome to the studio. How's it feel to be here?
1: I don't know. You don't know?
0: <laughs> Are you nervous? Maybe. A little bit. So, Leah helps me in the background every once in a while. She helps edit some of these podcasts. She also helps me out in the field when we're doing video and sometimes just on fishing trips, huh? Mm-hmm. And so, it's cool to have her on the show. She's been on the show before. But this one is very much specific to her and to her hunt. So... We're going to get into it. So, Leah, tell me a little bit about the preparation that you did to get ready to go big game hunting.
1: We gathered a lot of warm layers because (laughs) it was going to be really cold. Mm -hmm. Um, We made sure that that you had all the stuff that we need, bear spray and toilet paper and all the (laughs) other good stuff. Toilet
0: paper is critical, isn't it? (laughs)
1: Yes, fortunately none of us had to use it though
0: Yeah, we got lucky And we'll talk about previous to that There were a lot of things that we did in preparation One being your hunter safety class So you went and completed that And then also you got a gun made specifically for you for hunting So why don't you tell everybody about that and about what Matt did for you
1: So my youth group pastor Matt Good is a rifle maker And he turned his dad's old point two four three, I think. So two forty three. Yeah, two forty three into a six five two eighty
0: four.
1: Yeah. And he put a muzzle brake on it mm-hmm. to help it to not kick as much. But that also made the gun really loud.
0: <laughs> and Leah does not like really loud noises. But she did great. But yeah, so the muzzle brake.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it was a bolt action
0: mm-hmm
1: and I really liked it it was very heavy he it put it was a, heavy yeah he put a brand new barrel on it and a really nice scope on it
0: yeah so, so. it has Swarovski scope so really high tech really nice scope and yeah the gun itself weighed quite a bit <laughs> how mm-hmm. was that to carry that
1: my shoulders were sore
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I had to keep switching arms
0: yeah, it's a lot heavier than my 270. that's for sure. But the ballistics on that 6.5-284 very similar to a 270, And it has a lot less recoil. And so that's what we were going for. And it was really cool because Matt came out here to our place to sight it in. And you got to shoot it for the first time. What was that like?
1: It was a lot louder than I thought it would be <laughs> when I shot it at first. But it was fun. And then it wasn't zeroed in all the way so he had to go and zero it in later so
0: yeah but it had to get he had to buy a special part for the scope because it wasn't going up high enough and Mm -hmm. so he had to put a special piece on there but once he did that thing was dialed in really well
1: Mm -hmm.
0: really and we're going to talk about that for when you made your shot on your elk but yeah so you had to go out you had to do some range time you had to shoot some rounds Mm -hmm. and you being one of those people who's Really not into real loud sounds. That was a little bit nerve-wracking for you. But you did really well. And you got to learn all the different positions to to be in to shoot. And what was your favorite one that you felt the most comfortable shooting in?
1: Prone because you have the most like connection points, so it's the most stable.
0: Yeah.
1: Standing is the hardest.
0: Standing is definitely the hardest. Unless you have a really good rest that you can lay that gun on, right? So, yeah, so we got the gun zeroed in, and Leah and I both drew a late-season cow-calf permit for up around Dubois. And so we decided that was what we were going to do because we also got some whitetail tags, but it just didn't work out with our schedule and sports and everything else that we had going on. So we had to wait till December, and it was only a two-week season, so we didn't have a ton of time. And so, Leah, why don't you tell us about the very first day that we went out, because we went out with David. So tell us what that was like.
1: So we woke up really early, 5-something in the morning, and loaded our packs that we had prepared the night before and um, the guns and all the other things into the car, and we got in all of our many layers. And then we went to David's house, and... We helped him load his horses and four-wheeler into the trailer, and then we went to the area.
0: Yeah, and so when we got there, it wasn't that cold, which was nice. Usually in December, January time frame, people in Wyoming will tell you it's usually really cold, but I think that first day that we got there, we were in the 30s, so it wasn't super cold, but what else was going on with the weather? It was windy. Very windy. (laughs) (laughs) like super windy and so leah hadn't ever gone big game hunting before so this was the first time so we got out of the truck we surveyed and what did we see pretty quickly
1: we went up to the top of a hill and we glassed and david spotted the elk right away
0: yep so we saw a herd wasn't very big but we saw a little group of elk and So then it was making a game plan, taking the horses with us and going and getting in position to get into a shot. So we went, we got in position, we took the horses with us. And what was the terrain like? What was it like hiking up there? It
1: was a lot of steep hills just covered in grass and sagebrush and a few rocks. And so there wasn't, there were a few trees, but there wasn't a lot of trees. So there wasn't a lot of protection from the wind. And they were, we were up on top of hill, So we were just getting hammered with the wind.
0: Yeah. And we had to use the draws to conceal ourselves so they elk mm-hmm. couldn't see us
1: or smell us.
0: Yep. So we had to use the terrain. Luckily, the wind was coming right in our faces and the elk were on that side. So we didn't have to worry about them winding us, but we did have to worry about them seeing us because it was really wide open country. So we worked our way up and we actually got super close so why don't you tell everybody what that was like getting up on the elk for the first time
1: so we hiked up this really steep hill and we were all super super tired and we got up there and David's okay they're just on the other side so we got ready and we looked over the hill and there was no elk on the other side so then we went and climbed another hill and we thought they were on that this other side of that one, but turned out they weren't. And they were actually <laughs> on the other side of the one we had just hiked previously. So we went back to that one, we did hiked that hike. one again. <laughs> and then once we got to the top, David told me to get my gun ready. So I was holding it and crawling up the side of the mountain. And then I we got to the top and we looked over and there was a huge cow elk just standing there looking at us with 20 <laughs> more behind her. Yeah. And the, yeah.
0: And there were two calves that busted us initially because we, we got within about 50 yards and we were a little bit too close. And when we went to get in position and get Leah positioned for a shot, they were able to see us on the skyline a little bit. And so they busted out of there and they went a couple hundred yards away and then they circled up. So tell us what happened then.
1: So they were, as they were running away, they were really tightly packed and David's just pick one and shoot it (laughs) but when we were driving to David's house to my dad said to just take your time make sure you make a good shot so I was looking for a good shot but they were so tightly packed that I didn't want to risk shooting two of them with how close we were so I was like I don't know what to do and then eventually they all just ran away and around into some really rocky terrain that would not be fun to hike into. Mm-hmm. So we did not follow them into there.
0: And they were moving fast. Yeah. Like they weren't messing around. They knew that we were there to hunt, I think. And they busted out there. And it was one of those moments where I was super, super proud of Leah. Because she could have just popped off a shot into that group. And maybe she would have got lucky. And made a good shot. But the chances of making a bad shot were really high. Because the cows were swarming around the cows. And they were moving in a mass together, and if anybody's been pursuing a small group of elk like that, it's it's not exactly easy unless they really stop. And they milled around for a little bit, but she's right. They took off, and how did you feel after that?
1: Mad at myself.
0: Why were you mad?
1: Because when we were crawling up the hill, I slipped and my gun hit the ground, and I think they heard it, so that's why they looked up and saw us, but... I was just mad because there was an elk on the outside of the group that I could have shot, and I didn't. And then my dad was aiming for one that had her neck sticking out, but he didn't shoot it because he was waiting for me. So I was mad at him (laughs) for not shooting the elk.
0: Yeah, but it was more important for me for you to harvest first, so I wasn't going to shoot until you did. So I had picked one on my side of the group. And you're right, it was a nice cow. She had her head and neck stuck out pretty far. She, at one point, was completely wide open for a shot. But I wanted to make sure that you got comfortable and you could take the shot that you wanted to. But you weren't quite ready, and that's okay. And I think that's an encouraging thing to tell people that are listening to this podcast, any young ladies, young boys that are going out hunting, is it's more important to make a good shot than to rush just to try to make a shot.
1: The one thing I didn't want to do on the trip was make a bad shot and injure an elk without killing it instantly.
0: Yeah. And so it was was just one of those things that happens in hunting. They milled around for a little bit, gave us a little bit of time, but then they took off in a hurry. And they covered a couple of miles really quick. And so at that point, then we had to go try to find some other elk. And so we went on a, a little excursion up to another area. And we went on the four-wheeler with David, and we went looking, but we didn't find anything. We saw lots of sign, right? And Yeah, we saw
1: lots of tracks, and we drove around with David on the four-wheeler for a little bit, and he is a scary driver.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She thinks he's a scary driver. It wasn't that bad for me, but...
1: I was stuck in the middle between (laughs) both of them, so...
0: You were sandwiched.
1: I was sandwiched.
0: <laughs> and she was like not leaning back on me and trying to hold herself up with just her legs on the four wheeler and made her legs really tired and sore. And that was pretty funny because <laughs> I didn't know about that till later because we rode around for a good 40, 50 No, minutes. I think it was an hour. You think it was an hour? I
1: think it was an hour.
0: It was a little ways.
1: Yeah. And then we saw a million, I think millions, but like <laughs> a lot of tracks, but we didn't see any elk, just tracks everywhere. Yeah.
0: We saw some elk that some people had harvested earlier in the day, and this was opening day, so everybody and their brother was up there. So it was a little bit crazy. But we didn't end up getting anything, and that was all right. We came home, and we regrouped. And how did you feel after that first day of climbing and doing all the riding and whatnot?
1: My legs hurt so bad. When I first, when my dad said, oh, we're going elk hunting, I thought we'd be walking around, like, forest-type timber, no, we're walking up steep hills with just grass, <laughs> slippery snow. It was nothing like I thought it would be, and my legs hurt so bad afterwards.
0: So she hung in there. She was tough. She was a champ, and we went home, and we regrouped a little bit. And so we had to wait a couple more days because we had some other things going on, and then we, I took a Monday off, and we went back up. And so that Monday, it was just Leah and I, and... We drove up to the area, got up there super early. Again, similar weather pattern, but it was fairly warm. I think
1: it was a little more windy on Monday than it it was was on Friday. Yeah,
0: it was super windy. I
1: think it was 70 to 80 mile an hour wind.
0: At certain times, like we were up on ridges and it almost knocked me down a couple of different times where the gusts came up real strong, but it was blowing probably a pretty steady 20 to 30, maybe 40, but there were some massive gusts in there and the weather forecast called for severe wind. And so Mm -hmm. in Wyoming, that's not uncommon for those of you listening around the country, especially in that area around Dubois, the winds can be super high. And so we went to the area that luckily the temperatures were up. It wasn't super, super cold. And we went back to that area where we had seen the elk the first time.
1: Mm -hmm. Because we didn't see any when we got out of the truck at first.
0: Yep. So there weren't any elk visible, but it's like I told Leah, just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they're not there, especially in this country, because they can hide just about anywhere. So we put our packs on, slung our guns on our shoulders, and we went and hit the hills, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And so we hiked up and fought the wind and scaled up and over onto the other side and i remember we took a break you remember that when we sat by that tree
1: yes there was a fence line we crossed it we sat down on the other side
0: yep and we by a tree and we glassed for a little while and just took a rest because not only were we hiking up in elevation and on uneven terrain that was tough to go up but we had the wind just blasting us in the face the whole time pushing against us
1: yeah we took a we took that break probably an hour and a half in yeah. Maybe an hour.
0: Probably an hour. Something Maybe like a that. little after an hour. So we got up there and we could see lots of country and we didn't see a single elk. So it was disheartening because it was like, man, there should be elk in here this time of year. And they just weren't there. And so Leah and I put our packs and our guns back on.
1: And we went, there was a draw in front of us. And so we were going to go down and check it. And we, as we were going down, we were seeing fresh sign of elk and we I could with the wind blowing I could smell like a horsey smell I don't know uh, yeah, what it was smell I elk. smelled the elk and we went down in the draw and we didn't find any so we went up to the top and then down into another draw right So we went down into a second one and we were going through it and we went came out from behind a hill and I looked to my left and I see this big something that looked like a llama at first <laughs> And it and my dad goes, oh shoot! And he <laughs> pulls me behind the hill, and I was like, "Are those elk?" And he's like, "Yeah." So we crawled to the top of the hill. We took our packs off. Surprisingly, they didn't see us. There was a cow laying down on a ridge, and then there was a calf eating, standing up, yeah. eating next to her.
0: So what Leah's describing, we started to walk right in plain view of this draw, this cutout, and I saw it the same time she did and i looked back at her and she's looking at me like "Uh uh-oh is that an elk and i'm like yeah it was like get down i gave her the signal that we got to get down like we moved out of the way and got out of sight but then it was real how did you feel when you knew that there were elk right there
1: i started shaking like i was like oh my goodness (laughs) i can't mess up this time
0: (laughs) you didn't mess up the first time it was okay so Yeah, so to her point, we went and used that draw as concealment to keep ourselves out of view. There was a nice cow, and she was bedded on the backside of this hill, and we could see her, and she had some calves and some other elk with her, and when we first looked at them, we could see multiple elk, and so the plan was we were going to get in position,
1: we were going to set up,
0: and we would both get a shot, and... uh, What happened when we finally worked to within range?
1: Once we got on top of the hill and set up, the only elk we could see was that one that was laying down. She was looking right at us. She was laying down with her head up. She was looking at us. I don't think she saw us.
0: Yeah, but she was looking in our direction.
1: Yeah, but there were no more. We couldn't see any more elk once we got on top there. The calf that was there eating had trotted off somewhere else. He was playing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he was playing with one of the other ones and he was running around the bottom of the draw. So the only one that was visible was that cow. And I told Leah, I said, that's your elk right there. And she's smiling right now because she was super nervous. (laughs) And I was like, it's going to be all right. And so what we did is we actually set down my gun and my pack or and her pack and just left them on the side. And we worked into a spot where she would have really good positioning to make that shot. And I used my Kafaru pack because it has a really nice frame inside of it. That's super steady and super tough. And so I had her use that as her rest. So I basically stood the pack on end so that the shoulder straps are up in the air on the bottom of the packs on the ground. And she laid her rifle up over the top. Now, Describe what that was like, because you had the wind just howling in your face, and she's, you know, directly up from you. So so talk about what that was like trying to get in position.
1: Yeah, she was about 250 yards in front of us, and I was crawling up there and trying to get stable, and I eventually had to shoot sitting using the pack as a rest, and um, the wind was blowing in my face. It was blowing the pack around
0: it was like pushing the pack against her because it was blowing so hard.
1: It was not really good shooting, a <laughs> good shooting position because <laughs> the wind was so bad right there. But we were in a good spot to shoot her.
0: <laughs> you are in a good spot to shoot her? So yeah, so Leah got set up and the wind was just rocking the pack and I was like waiting for her to shoot and she wasn't shooting and she goes, Dad this thing is just not stable enough. Like I can't I can't get it to stay steady.
1: I really did not want to make a bad
0: shot. <laughs> yeah, and so I was watching and I could see that the pack was getting just pushed really badly by the wind. So I was laying down on my chest and so I reached up with my left hand, grabbed the top of the pack to give it another anchor point and I held it really sturdy and steady. And I told her, I was like, okay, take your time. She doesn't know we're here. She can't smell us. She hasn't seen us. Just take your time. Make a good shot. Don't worry about it. Take as much time as you need, right? Mm -hmm. And so talk through that because you did your breathing through the shot several times. So talk through what that was like.
1: So my dad's like, it's okay. Just take your time. And he was holding the pack. And so I was sitting there and I was trying to get it steady. I was trying to get the crosshairs right on her chest because she was looking straight at us so that was the only shot option I had was to shoot her in the chest or in the neck and the chest was a bigger target so I was aiming for her chest and the wind just kept blowing it around and I had it steady for a second and I took a deep breath in and out and then right as I was about to pull the trigger the wind blew it again so I waited and I breathed a few more times (laughs) and then I don't even remember the thought going through my head that I needed to pull the trigger but it just Somehow I just pulled it, and the gun banged really loud. <laughs> my dad was trying to plug his ears while he's trying to hold the pack up for it me. it didn't work very well. <laughs> but it was really loud, but I don't remember it being that super loud, as as loud as it was when I shot it for practice. But then I saw the elk stand up, mm-hmm. and so I looked at my gun, and I started racking another bullet and my dad said hurry she's standing up she's standing up so I racked another bullet and I looked up and she was gone and my dad goes she dropped yay
0: (laughs) I was like you got her she's down and Leah she was so excited that was one of the coolest moments with my kid that I've ever had. She was very excited. She's, I did. Because, I started crying. Yeah, she started crying. But you know what? That was one of the best hugs in the world. We we gave each other a big hug, and she was very excited to have harvested her first elk. So what happened was, I'm laying there, holding on to this pack, just trying to keep it steady, and I know this loud blast is going to happen. <laughs> and So I'm like turning my ear to the ground and trying to cover it as best I can. And... Uh, Anyway, she does the breaths. She lets off the shot. It hit. I could hear it hit her. So I knew that she had hit her pretty good. And what happened was the cow stood up and then she took about a step, maybe another half step. And she just went straight down, dropped her and started doing the death kick thing. And so I knew Leah had made a lethal shot like a really good shot. And I was like, man, kid, you did it. I was really excited. And The other elk, of course, took off and got the heck out of there as any smart elk would do. And Lee and I got to have a nice hug. And then we regrouped and we grabbed our stuff and then we headed over and talk about what that was like walking over and seeing that elk after you'd made that shot.
1: My heart started slowing down a little bit as we were walking (laughs) over there. It was beating pretty fast. And I was just super, super excited. And my dad pulled out his phone, started recording me and asking me questions (laughs) And then we made it over to her, and then what?
0: I don't know. You're telling a story, not me. Then- What'd you think of her? She was
1: so pretty. Mm -hmm. I didn't even see where I had hit her. There wasn't any blood on the snow or anything, but she was just laying there. And then I go over to her, and my dad was going to take a picture, so I had to hold up her head, and her head was so heavy. (laughs) Like it probably weighed like 40 pounds, her head by itself, something like that. It was so heavy. And she had just been killed five minutes earlier. So she was all limp. And I did not like the feeling of lifting up a limp head. Like, oh, I did not like it
0: at all. (laughs) But you did Mm -hmm. it. And I remember you making the comment, this is such a pretty animal. Like you were just like, wow, she's so beautiful. And she was, she's probably about three years old full-grown cow in her prime and she's just a beautiful cow elk and so then it was the work time because anytime that you've been out in the field and you've ever harvested a big game animal the work begins once the animal's on the ground and a so, well, cow elk is not a small animal it's not like a deer or an antelope that you can just drag it around do whatever you want so i got to teach leah about splitting the hide peeling it back we quartered it up and mm-hmm. so we got the front and the back quarter off the one side and got the backstrap off. And then we rolled over, got the others off, got the neck meat, got as much as we could. And then the real fun began because we're quite a waste from the truck. Right. And so we
1: were probably three miles in.
0: Yeah. So we had to get that animal and get it the heck out of there. And by this time it's fairly late in the day. And so of course, December It's some of the shortest light days that we have. So I think it was like two or three in the afternoon when we started to pack things up and get out of there. So I knew we weren't going to be able to get the whole thing out. So why don't you tell everybody how we shuttled it out and what we did?
1: Yeah. So we put the back straps in a game bag and we put the two front quarters in a game bag and we put the two hind quarters each in their own. And so we had four game bags in total. And my dad.
0: You had the back straps, the neck meat, and all the other auxiliary um, meat. Yes.
1: So I put all that meat in my pack. And it was a lot heavier than I thought it would be. It was probably like.
0: 30, 40 pounds probably.
1: Yeah, something like that on my back. And so I put that on. And then my dad decided that he was going to not carry just a hind quarter. Or one front quarter, but he was going to carry both front quarters. So he put both front quarters in his pack, and we started hiking out of there. And when I started, I was like, oh, this is going to be so hard (laughs) because my back was already hurting.
0: Yeah, but we also had to shuttle those hindquarters away from the kill site, right? Yeah,
1: we had to take the hindquarters away from the kill site so that if a predator came during the night it wouldn't eat our meat because we would have to come the next day because it was already
0: three or four o'clock yeah
1: and there was a storm coming in Mm -hmm. a snowstorm so we had to take so we took the back straps did we take the hindquarters first we took all the
0: auxiliary meat and we took the hindquarters, and we took them over to that dead tree about half a mile away. Yes,
1: we took it to a dead tree, and we put it in the top of the dead tree. And this tree was on the top of a hill.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Why did we pick that spot?
1: Because uh, predators couldn't get to it very easily, I and think. And
0: we could see the predators if we were coming to get it, so we'd know if predators were on it, because mm-hmm. you don't want to surprise a grizzly bear on a kill.
1: Yeah, but this tree was up on this ridge and the wind was blowing <laughs> so bad up there. Like we almost got blown over up on top of that ridge, but we put the hind quarters in the tree and then we went and picked up the
0: front quarters, front
1: quarters yeah. and I loaded the auxiliary meat back into my pack and we started hiking out of the, all the area.
0: <laughs> you had to hike out. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, that was, it was a brutal hike. The wind was insane and it was hard to just even stay upright because of the wind and the wind was just stupid, crazy, but that's Wyoming. Again, like I said, those of us who have been around Wyoming and have, have done this understand it, but it was very windy. So we went and we ended up getting back down to the road, getting all of our stuff into the truck and, we were pretty well shot by the time we got back down to the road, weren't we?
1: Yeah. Once we got down from the mountain, we came out about 200, y- 200 yards from the truck. We came out. And- no,
0: it was about a quarter of a mile from the truck.
1: Okay. We put our packs down. And when I took that off, my back was hurting so bad. And I stood up and it was like, that was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> So then my dad started walking back to the truck, and um, this guy was coming in his truck, and he saw that dad was covered in blood, so he decided to give us a ride in his truck to our truck so we didn't have to walk all that way.
0: Which was nice.
1: Yeah. So then we loaded all our meat in the truck, and we went home.
0: Yep. And we were both very happy to be home, and it was at that when we got home that I realized that my daughter had a hurt foot and she hadn't been telling me about it so why don't you tell everybody what was going on with your foot
1: so there was something in my boot that was like I think it was something wrong with the seam at the toe and it was right where my second toe was and it was sticking out so my toe had been banging into it all day from and climbing rub, downhill and it. uphill. Yeah. And so my toe was completely bruised underneath the nail. It was purple. It was, it hurt pretty bad. Um, but I lived.
0: So and she funny. didn't tell me about it because she didn't want to complain. And so for all you young listeners, if your mom or dad is taking you hunting or fishing and you're in pain, you should tell us because what happened to, what happened to that toenail of yours?
1: It eventually fell off.
0: <laughs> yeah. So her toenail was so damaged, the tissues underneath her toenail from all this, that her toenail fell off. And so anyway, I find this out when we get home and she's shrugging right now. because It's fine. Was no it gr- it's
1: growing back. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. You're a tough kid. But anyway, we get home. We're both pretty tired. I was shot from carrying two front quarters. And so I was like, we need to get some sleep and we need to go back in the morning and we need to get those hindquarters. quarters. And so we tried to get a good night's sleep. I slept pretty hard because I was exhausted.
1: Yeah, I slept really good, I think. I don't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so we were driving back to to go get the meat, and we actually saw some elk on our way up crossing the road. So that was fun and cool, and it was funny. It was like, oh, there's some elk right there. But anyway, we get back up to the area And we took a different approach to getting the meat out on the next trip. And so why don't you tell everybody how we did that?
1: So we took my dad's ice fishing sled up there. There wasn't a lot of snow, but we could still pull it along the grass.
0: So It was a grass-snow mix.
1: Yeah. So we used the sled instead of our packs. In killing our backs, we used the sled. Just pull the meat
0: down. And so what I did is I used a jet sled junior, which is a nice fishing sled, like Leah said, and it has a rope on the front. So I drilled some holes in the back so that we'd have another anchor point so that when we were taking it out of there, she could hold on to the rope on the back and guide it down and then I could be on the front.
1: Yeah, to help it not slide down the hill. Too fast. Yeah.
0: So we went back in, we took the sled, which was a nightmare empty. Because the wind was howling again. And it was all I could do to get that stupid sled <laughs> up to the top and not have it turn into a sail and carry me off into a ravine. But anyway, we took this sled up there and we started making the approach and I told her, I said we gotta make sure that there's no grizzly bears or wolves or mountain lions or whatever on this. So we came in and we made took it an a approach. detour. Yeah, so how did we do it, Leah?
1: We, like, came... Up the hill, went around to check it, and then went around the other way and approached it from the side so that we could see it the whole way.
0: Yeah, because we didn't want to have a grizzle bear encounter, did we?
1: No, that would be bad.
0: Especially in the wind, our pepper spray wouldn't work too well. (laughs) Anyway, so we went up in there and we were able to get those two hindquarters out of the tree, put them in the sled, and then it was much easier, I thought, taking them out now. When I had to pull that sled up the hill with two hindquarters in it, that was pretty pretty messed up and not very fun. <laughs> it was pretty heavy.
1: Yeah, going down the hill was easier, except for my toe did not appreciate the downhill toe <laughs> slamming into the boot, like trying to keep these hindquarters from sliding down the hill and taking my dad with them. So I had to hold the back rope to keep it from sliding down the hill and, Brace myself, my toe didn't like that very much, but going downhill was definitely easier.
0: Yep, it was a lot easier, and once we got down to the truck, it was no big deal to just pick them up, toss them in the truck, and, and drive home, so it was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, and you did take your gun, just in case. We saw an elk since we already had a sled up there, mm-hmm. but if there were any elk in the area, I think we scared them off because the sled was very loud, um, <laughs> but we didn't see any, so... He didn't get a chance to shoot that day.
0: No, but I didn't end up filling my tag. I tried to go up a couple other times, and they just weren't in the area. And that was okay because, ultimately, I wanted to see Leah harvest an elk, and I got to see that happen. And it was really fun to be a part of that and to get to see her harvest her first animal. What what do you think would be your favorite moment of all that trip or all that preparation? Like, what was your favorite moments that she went through?
1: My favorite moment was when I looked up didn't see the elk and you said she dropped. At first I s- thought you said that she jumped so I was confused but then when you said <laughs> that she dropped I was super happy. Um also going walking to your animal and just seeing it there on the ground is super exciting. So those are probably my two favorites.
0: Yeah. It was really cool, and we brought it home. And we also did the processing ourselves, and that's a Edwards family tradition. Whether it's fish or big game, as we process it ourselves, and we made a lot of different things. Why don't you tell everybody what we've done so far with your elk?
1: We made whole muscle jerky and ground up jerky with High Mountain seasonings, which is amazing. And I think we ate it all already. Yeah, you guys. I already think it's ate. all gone. So, yeah.
0: 10 pounds of ground elk jerky has already been consumed, and then probably another pound and a half of whole mussel.
1: Yeah, that high mountain seasonings is so good. Do you
0: remember what jerky. kinds you used?
1: I think it was the hickory and the teriyaki. Yep. I think those were the two I used, yeah.
0: yeah. So you used the teriyaki on the whole mussel, and then you used the hickory on the ground, right?
1: Yes, and I had to mix that seasoning into the meat with my bare hands, and my dad had kept it out in the garage to keep the meat cold and My hands were so cold from mixing (laughs) that. But we also made some backstrap steaks, and we had that the next Sunday after I had Mm
0: -hmm.
1: harvested the elk. And then...
0: And what did you think of that? Because that also had the High Mountain elk steak seasoning on it.
1: It was so good. It was so juicy, and it was really good. I I like it better than beef steak.
0: Yeah, it's really good. And what else have we made? We made pot stickers.
1: We did make pot stickers. I think we made some meat for stir fries and we had it in stir fry, I think. We also made some burger and did some stuff with ground. We did. We made some sausage patties, I think, a few of them. Yes, the day we were processing, you made sausage oh, yeah. patties and yeah. we had them.
0: And then what else? Though We made like a spaghetti sauce with it once mm-hmm. already and we've done tacos with and it. And
1: biscuits and gravy too, I think.
0: Nope, that was with pork.
1: Oh, never mind.
0: <laughs> You're like, but it is our pork sausage is really good, and we use High Mountain Men breakfast sausage seasoning for that, and it's really good. But so far, it, what was your favorite? Was it the backstrap, or was it one of the other meals? Because I, the pot stickers were hard to beat; those were really good.
1: Oh yeah, we did have it in pot stickers. My favorite is probably either the jerky. I like the jerky, but as far as a meal that we had it in goes probably the pot stickers or just stir fry meat. Yeah. The steak was good, but I like the pot stickers a lot.
0: (laughs) Pot stickers are really good. If you want that recipe, get the buck moose book by Hank Shaw, who we've had on this podcast. It is amazing. Those pot stickers are so yummy. They're so good. Yeah. They didn't last very long. It seems to be a theme in the Edwards household. If we make elk, it doesn't last very long, but we have lots in the freezer. And thanks to Leah. But, and how does that make you feel just knowing that you put some meat in the freezer? What does that do, you know, for you mentally? What do you think about?
1: Makes me feel happy. (laughs) (laughs) Food makes you happy.
0: (laughs) Are you proud of it? Yes. Yeah. And you should be. It's a big deal, and most kids don't do an elk on their very first big game hunt, and it's a lot harder than, say, it's an antelope or a deer.
1: The actual hunting part, walking around and looking for them, it's not just taking a stroll in the park. It is so hard on your legs. You, have, If you're not, like, in shape or something, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's
1: be so hard, but it is so fun. It's so worth it.
0: Yeah, so I asked her a question on the drive home. So she's got a toe that was just killing her, and she was tired, and she's pretty worn out, and I asked you a question. you remember what I asked you? Nope. I said, would you do this again? I said yes. Yes, you did. So you, you sat there for a second or two because you thought it through, but you decided you'd do it again. Why do you want to do it again?
1: Because it's just so rewarding to see that all your hiking and all the work that you put into it, um harvest an animal that's going to feed your family and other people too.
0: And it was fun, wasn't it?
1: It was really fun.
0: What was that rush like? Was was it unlike anything else you've ever had?
1: Yeah, my heart was beating so fast and I was so discouraged because the wind was making it super hard and I didn't want to make bad shots, so I was mad at the wind, but I don't even remember pulling the actual trigger. I just remember the bang happening and like when you get that much adrenaline, you don't remember much of what happens
0: yep. you were tunnel visioned I think at that point but I remember looking up at her a couple of times and she was trying to steady herself and I could see like the intensity in her eyes and, and, <laughs> and the adrenaline was pumping but I knew if she just took her time that she was going to make a good shot and she really did and it helped that you were in shape and you talked about that being in shape is important Leah swims like a fish in fact we just got back from conference swimming and so she works really hard to stay in shape. And physical fitness, if you are going to do a Wyoming elk hunt, you've got to be physically fit. You've got to be ready for the train because it's not easy. And I feel like you pulled it off pretty well. You I f- did. Do you feel like you were fairly well prepared?
1: I think so. And now I get to go and tell this story to everybody. I told my friends, and they were all teasing me. They asked me, they said, how many shots did it take you? And I was like, one. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you made a great shot. Why don't you talk about that? Because we didn't really, you said where you were aiming, but we never really talked about what happened with the actual bullet and where it went in and came
1: So out. it hit her right in the chest, and it went in actually pretty far because when we were, we found the bullet when we were well, cutting we her. Part of it. We part, found part of it. It was coming out or no it was, it was inside her
0: it was stuck between the hide and her shoulder so it you shot her basically below the neck in the chest it went in and hit some vital <laughs> some vitals there i mean it she bled out really quick it hit her there and it went in and it fractionated a little bit and so a piece of that bullet somehow went into her abdominal cavity and Leah got to smell what guts smell like a little bit. It yeah. wasn't bad. It was just a little puncture, well, but it was enough to stink. Yeah.
1: It poked, it made a hole, well, dented the gut cavity. And we were, we finished getting all the meat on one side and we turned her over and I heard this gurgling sound. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this smell, it is so bad. It, it smells like rotten fish and something else, but it is so bad. And it was the smell of her stomach acid and other stuff from her gut cavity it just wafted up and just coming kept coming out in fumes and i was (laughs) gagging i was gonna throw up it was so bad
0: yeah but you were fine it wasn't that bad and when we it's it was a weird thing because of where she actually hit the elk a piece of the bullet must have fractionated off because that's the only thing i can figure because she was nowhere near the stomach but it just ended up a little piece of the bullet hit down there
1: yeah, I hit her straight in the chest. Yeah. So
0: so she was laying broadside, but with her neck and head tilted toward us. So when she says she hit her in the chest, it was straight, you know, on. straight below the neck, right by where the shoulder is in the chest area. And so that's where the bullet went in. That's where the bullet exited. And it didn't even come through all the way on the other side of that shoulder. It just got stuck between the hide and the shoulder. And so we saved that. We saved mm-hmm. her casing, and we saved obviously the tags because you have mm-hmm. to have the tags.
1: And we sit. And my dad also cut out her ivories, which are her
0: Two "quote unquote"
1: teeth. tusks, yep. their teeth in her mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah, and so he cut those out of her mouth, and I have those yep. as souvenirs.
0: So Leah's got some things to remember this hunt by, which is really cool. But, yeah, it's going to be really neat over the next few months to continue to eat your elk and make some different recipes. Is there a recipe that we haven't done yet that you want to try? Or one that you want to do again?
1: I want more jerky. <laughs>
0: but
1: we're actually one that we haven't done yet. I really want my dad to make elk burgers. His burgers are so good. So if he makes it with elk meat, I think it will be super good.
0: We can arrange that. I think you can work that out. Okay. Okay. If you do a few extra chores, I might do it for you.
1: I packed out some of that. (laughs) I
0: guess you can make your burgers. Okay. (laughs) She says, whatever, Dad. No, but it's exciting. And what advice would you give to another young lady that's going to go out on her first elk hunt or deer hunt?
1: Just be prepared that it's not easy hiking through all that, but it is most definitely worth it. And to just stay positive. Through the whole thing because I was getting frustrated when we went up with David because I was holding everyone back and the horses had to wait because the horses were fast, obviously. And David and my dad had to keep waiting for me, but just stay positive and just enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah, make sure it's a good experience. And that's what I would tell the dads out there and the moms, if you're going to take your kid on their first big game hunt is just remember that it has to be a good experience for them. And so whatever you can do to make that happen, obviously I messed up a little bit because my daughter lost a toenail. I didn't realize she was hurting and
1: that was partially my fault
0: though. Well, yeah, I was asking you if you were all right, but still, I feel responsible for that. But as far as the rest of it, I was just trying to be as encouraging as possible and just let her know that she could take her time. There was no need to rush a shot. There was no need to hurry And just be patient and enjoy that experience. Because I'll tell you what, kid, I enjoyed just being up there with you. We were doing something physically difficult. We were doing that together and we got to be in the outdoors. So that was really cool. And we got the wind. Yeah. And we got to see some incredible views. When we were sitting up on top, you can see for miles and miles and there's badlands and there's mountains with timber and there's just all this crazy terrain all around you and you just take it in. It's just awesome.
1: Yeah, it was really pretty up there.
0: Yeah. So we had a lot of fun and hopefully you all will get your kids out and kids, if you're listening, tell your parents, Hey, put me in for the draw this next year. Try to get an elk tag, an elk tag, or a deer tag. That leads me to my next question, was what are we putting in for next year? An elk. For sure? Yes. i to do elk again. Yes. Is there anything else?
1: I really want to try a deer hunt because we saw a lot of deer when we were um, hunting, and they would just sit there. <laughs> as we walked toward them, <laughs> they'd sit there and look at us,
0: the and elk, they'd be like, the oh, time.
1: okay, I'm going to walk away now. So I think that would be really cool to... Do a deer hunt. I don't think it would be as much hiking, too. Like this, that's also a factor. But I think that would be fun, or maybe an antelope hunt too. That would be fun
0: too. I think you would love pronghorn hunting. It's a different kind of thing, but I think you would really enjoy it, and the meat is fantastic too. But what do you like as far as the elk? You've had elk, you've had antelope, you've had deer. What do you think's your favorite so far?
1: Depends. I like. Deer in, or I like antelope in jerky and sausage, but then I like elk in burgers and potstickers and as steaks, but deer, I like in.
0: You've had it, (laughs) you've had it in spaghetti, you've had it in tacos, you've had it a few different ways. I
1: think elk and antelope taste better than deer.
0: They do. And I think antelope's the best, but. I'm biased because (laughs) I I get them cold right away, so I think they taste better. But they're both very good. I I don't think you can really go wrong. And that one that you got, that elk that you got, was in really great condition.
1: Yeah, she was super healthy. Mm
0: -hmm. And she was big. Were you surprised at how big she was?
1: Yeah, I thought they would be just like a little bigger than... A deer and then my dad's like, Oh no, they're bigger than you think. So I was like, Okay, maybe a little bigger than what I'm thinking and then I get up and I was like, Whoa, that's like what how big I thought a moose was. Like yeah. that's big.
0: <laughs> and a moose is a lot in my cow. Elk. <laughs> yeah, they're big animals. I told you, I said, You see these horses, they're a little smaller than the horses. A little smaller, barely. But they're pretty good size.
1: Yeah, and she was so pretty, she had a darker colored ring of fur around her neck and it was like a big scarf and it looked like a mane. Yeah. And it was super pretty.
0: Super pretty. I think that was the first thing Leah did. was like bend down and start to pet that fur. It was super, super cool. Yeah. Anything else that you would tell people or you want to say about your hunt?
1: I want to do it again.
0: You want to do it again? Yes. Yeah. And see, that's what it's all about. was inspiring the next generation. And I hope someday when you have kids you, you can take them out hunting too because I think hunting is, is just one of those great family activities too similar to fishing it's really good to get out there and speaking of fishing fishing season is in full swing if you're a ice angler late ice is coming up and so it's time to go to pklure.com get stocked up on all your needs for ice fishing go check them out they've got some new products and so late ice can be some of the best fishing of the year the fish tend to be super aggressive they're hungry they're ready to go the water temps are warming up be safe but get out there and check out pklure.com if you guys want to check out the high mountain seasonings that we talked about go to himtnjerky.com. jerky.com leo was talking about the hickory jerky seasoning and it is delicious is that one your favorite
1: yes i like the hickory one better than the The teriyaki. The teriyaki one. But we also had the teriyaki with whole muscle. So I don't think we've tried the teriyaki with ground.
0: We'll have to try it. Yes. We're going to thaw out some of that burger that we packaged up and we're going to make some more. And then also, again, don't forget to go check out Bow Spider. David's on the road selling bow spiders all over the place. So go to bowspider.com. They've got lots of different products for you for your bow hunting. And Leah, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Ragcast Outdoors podcast with me again. And thank you for letting me be a part of your hunt. It was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for taking me. Yeah, yeah it was.
0: We'll do it again. Yes. We're going to put in for tags. There's no guarantees, but we're going to put our names in because this last year we put in for everything. And all we got were the whitetail tags and then the elk tags and
1: yeah, we put in for three and twos.
0: Yep. So hopefully this next year we'll draw some antelope tags. And so you can experience that and maybe even get a deer. Yeah. If you haven't been to ragcastoutdoors.com, go check out our website. We have lots of great episodes for you. We have tips and tricks. We've got videos. We've got all kinds of stuff. Speaking of videos, we're trying to grow our YouTube channel. So go to YouTube and subscribe to ragcast outdoors podcast. That would be really Awesome. We're trying to grow that channel. And so if you could go check that out, that would be awesome. So next time we'll see you here in another week with another episode of Radcast Outdoors. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple podcasts, Spotify, carbon TV, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at ragcastoutdoors.com. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Ragcast community on Facebook called Ragcast Nation. We'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thanks again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.